Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Owned early and ad-free. Find Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Smart. It's hard to think about politics during the pandemic without also thinking about politicians on Zoom. Instead of a well-manicured, two-vanilla-lattes-deep congresswoman giving updates from inside her D.C. office, you'd have some senator from New Hampshire broadcasting live on CNN from a log cabin. He'd lose his internet connection halfway through. Steve, you there? Ugh, I think we lost him. Or a baby would wander into frame in the background. Or his newly adopted pandemic puppy would start barking in the middle of an economic policy breakdown. And that brings me to my third point. Domestic menu... Oh, God. Pepper. Of course, a lot of these Zoom calls with politicians just gave us a weird-sounding interview and too much insight into what Mitch McConnell's shelves might look like. But some of these Zoom calls made history. I come before you tonight as a man... It's January 5th, 2021. Reverend Raphael Warnock, with a blue blazer on, sitting behind some white shelves, is announcing that he'll be the next senator from Georgia. We prove that with hope, anything is possible. Warnock won an incredible Senate race, edging out a Republican incumbent in a tightly watched runoff race. He'll become Georgia's first black senator and the first Democratic black senator in the South ever. And honestly, you can't tell the whole story of Warnock's historic win without talking about a few more Zoom calls with some professional basketball players. So let's take another couple of steps back. Now it's August 2020, and members of the WNBA team, the Atlanta Dream, are gathered on a call. The team owner has just denounced the Black Lives Matter movement in a strongly worded letter. And at a time when political and civil unrest are at an all-time high, the players couldn't sit by and watch this happen without doing something. Oh, and by the way, they're in the WNBA bubble. It's August 2020, after all, and a letter from an owner is just one of the things they're upset about. Our momentum is bigger than getting on the court. I think that, you know, we want to continue to fight for justice for Breonna Taylor and her family. We know that the WNBA is committed to social justice. We formed a social justice council. We look forward to seeing these women work on and off the court this summer. So after some incredibly quick organizing within the W, there's another Zoom call. The women of the W want to talk to Warnock about his politics, vetting him to see if he's deserving of their support. But why do a bunch of WNBA athletes want to meet with a reverend running for senator in Georgia? Well, because they have a common goal. The Republican incumbent that Warnock is hoping to unseat from the Senate? She happens to be the same woman who called the Black Lives Matter movement divisive. The very same senator who owns the Atlanta dream, Kelly Loeffler. And they both want her gone. It would be strategic to support him. On that final historic Zoom call, Warnock won him over. So the women of the W got to work. They tweeted, they gave interviews, even wore black shirts to games that said, vote Warnock in big white letters. And as you already know from that first Zoom call, it worked. Warnock won. And just a few hours later, the Democrat John Ossoff would also unseat the Republican incumbent David Perdue. Georgia was officially blue. Kelly Loeffler lost her Senate seat and later 
lost her job as owner of the Atlanta Dream. This week on OWN, how the WNBA flipped the Senate. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Welcome back to Owned. I'm Rex Chapman. And I'm Nicole Boyce, writer-producer, a really big fan of this story. Yeah? Yeah, this episode today is going to be a proper banger okay my man let's do it <laughs> basically wnba team literally not only got their owner removed as the team owner they got her unseated from the senate of the united states wow yeah this is a big deal okay so that owner we're talking about today is a one kelly loffler uh-huh, i remember thunder strikes in the distance okay so basically primer kelly loffler she was born in Illinois and raised on a corn and soybean farm. <laughs> That's a, I don't wrote that down. It seemed very important. She inherits some land from her grandparents, uses that to go to business school. Okay. And then in 2002, she joins this company. Okay. Then gets married to the CEO in 2004 and was promoted. A little bit weird. Okay. <laughs> Hira owned. Obviously, we do not like to diminish the hard work of women and give them all the credit to, you know, the man that they're right, married to. Right. But it's a little bit, you know, she gets married, she gets promoted. Oh, mm, you're, you're shitting on her. I can do it. I'm a woman. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm just raising my eyebrows a little bit. Okay. But basically, she's got her fancy new job, I guess. And <laughs> she uses this money. To buy a WNBA team with this woman, Mary Brock. Now, she buys the team as the Atlanta Dream. Oh, she nice. buys it from this woman, Kathy Betty, which is the most Southern name I've ever heard in my entire life. Is that a first and last or a first and middle? Jimmy John, Billy Joe. Yeah, it sound, does Kathy sound Betty. exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she buys a team with this woman, Mary Brock. As far as I can tell, Mary Brock's only claim to fame is that she is married to a guy that's like really high up at Coca-Cola. Like, oh. I, Okay. Mr. Coke himself. I don't, not really, but you know, kind of up there. 
Okay. And you're wondering, you know, uh, so who's this woman? She's just like a local businesswoman, you know? And at the time, it's very paraded as like a win for, you know, it, it's a big deal right. to have a woman as an yeah. owner in a sports team. You know, she's she likes basketball to her credit. She played um, after she left the soybean farm. Okay. She uh, was on the varsity basketball team at her high school. So she likes basketball. High school. Hooper. Okay. Yep. High school hooper. Yeah, I don't know what position she played. It's seen as like kind of a big, you know, big deal. These two women come in, local businessmen. They bought a the team. Thing. It's a good, yeah, one could say it's a good it's a thing. Good thing. Yeah. Um, and she's an active owner as well. She arranges her travel schedule to attend all the games. Great. Uh, meeting, you know, very hands-on with like the head coach, things like that. They weren't great, I will say, during her era as an owner. They went through like, you know, a lot of head coaches, but I think overall she was applauded, I would say, as an owner. Okay. 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 Until Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Twenty nineteen. The current Georgia senator steps down because of health reasons. Okay. So Georgia's governor, stay with me, has to appoint a replacement to fill the seat. And this is during Trump time too. Okay. So everyone thinks he's going to go with this big Trump ally and is expecting that. But instead he chooses Kelly Loeffler. Mm. So Kelly Loeffler, businesswoman, owner of the Atlanta Dream, is now the senator of Georgia. Wow. Okay. And people are super pissed because they, and this is very funny based on where this is going to go, but people are very very pissed because they think she's too rich and elitist and moderate, too liberal. Oh, wow. And is seen as like this WNBA, like radical WNBA woman. Oh, I don't my. know. She's crazy. She must have like gay <laughs> friends, you know, things like that, you know? So she like people don't like her. And her okay. allegiance to Trump is even questioned. And Ooh. apparently she went to go meet with Trump to like get his blessing. And he like did not like her, which is funny. <laughs> Regardless, she gets the job. She becomes senator, okay? okay? And I think what happens, what my guess is, is that she gets all this flack for being, you know, too liberal. Right. And so when she's going for re-election in the Senate, she basically goes full, like, Trump right wing. Yeah, never, okay? go, never go full Trump. Yes. It's a thing I think, you know, happened, you know, with a lot of people. But basically she starts touting her 100%. Trump voting record. She okay. calls herself the most conservative Republican in the Senate. Um, and then oh, wow. what she begins to do is I think she, you know, sees that she has this team mm-hmm. and she kind of begins to use them as like her own enemy oh, in order to get gosh. reelection. The team that she owns, the Atlanta Dream. Okay. And this is, you know, during 2020, summer 2020, this is like COVID's happening, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. is happening, protests, you know, the Civil unrest is, like, at an all-time high. And a predominantly African-American team. Yes. Okay, yes, 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 yes. And so the WNBA players are known for their activism, things like that. Mm -hmm. So they start wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts, say her name t-shirts during Uh that time. And Loeffler basically writes a public letter, July 7th, 2020, my birthday. Um, Not a big deal here. But she writes a letter denouncing Black Lives Matter, saying that they're, you know, advocates for all these things, uh, defunding, abolishing the police, whatever. The worst birthday present I've ever gotten in my life. Okay. (laughs) So what does the team do? Being as politically minded as they are, Mm -hmm. they start to protest against their own owner. Not only that, but also as a senator herself. So they start to campaign for Warnock, her competitor, the Democrat. And they start wearing, like, vote Warnock T-shirts. I don't see how she couldn't have seen this coming. I mean, 
to draw that line in the sand at that particular time, everyone's home, it's the pandemic, you just have to know you're going to get that blowback, especially you know what the WNBA does and what they're all yeah, about, yeah. and you're picking that fight with them. Be careful what you wish for. It seems as if she was like, okay, I'm going to risk owning this team. Her sights totally go on, I think, just to the Senate. And she's like, if I lose mm-hmm. this team, whatever, the team, I don't care. Wow. She's like, maybe, yeah, and doesn't, you know, realize, you know, how powerful the activism and, the, you know, the way that the WMA can come together. I think she really underestimated that. And basically, this is a very funny tidbit. Um, so the election happens. There's like a runoff. The morning of January 6th. Warnock, her competitor, wins by two points, and she's going to object, but this is very funny. Then January 6th literally happens, so the news cycle like drowns out her loss, and she basically just has to concede. So she concedes on January 7th because Jan 6th storming, uh, yeah, which is a very funny, like, uh, karmic, you know, right. whatever. Right, amazing. So her team, the Atlanta Dream, officially gets her out of the Senate. Once she's out of the Senate, they turn their sights. They are like, okay, she's got to go as team owner. Like this woman, like she literally just used this as like pawns. This is crazy. We've got to get her out. There's a lot of pressure. And finally, in February 2021, the team is sold to a new ownership group. Very exciting, led by two real estate executives and a former member of the Atlanta Dream who we're going to have on the show today, Renee Montgomery. Let's go. Yes. We're going to get her on the show today. It's incredible to talk to her. It's an amazing story. Before that, we are joined by Jordan Liggins Robinson, who's a WNBA personality, a very talented writer. And she's going to kind of walk us through more of this whole Loeffler story. This is a big episode, Nicole. I love this this episode. One of my faves so far. Yeah. 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 Time for a break. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jordan Liggins Robinson is a freelance writer, host, and podcaster who covers the WNBA, pop culture, and their intersections. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for doing this. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Uh, First, before anything else, where does your love of hoops come from? You played growing up, played in college. Mm-hmm. Why? How, how, did you, how did you fall in love with the game of basketball? It's a great question. Um, so I started playing basketball when I was five years old because my older brother played basketball and I wanted to be like him in mm. every way possible. And uh, so he was playing basketball. We had a hoop in our front yard and I just fell in love with it. I was stealing the ball from my own teammates in a co-ed <laughs> league at that age. We were the Lakers. We had T-shirts instead of jerseys. Hell yeah. Um, but then, you know, my, my love for the WNBA really started because I grew up in Sacramento and I had the Sacramento Monarchs there. And, um, one of my teammates, her birthday was always opening weekend for the WNBA season. So we would go every single year 
and still have my Tisha Penichero signed jersey. Bring back the Monarchs. Okay. Before we get into the summer of 2000 and how pivotal it was for Kelly Loeffler and the Atlanta Dream, let's back up a little bit. Did you know Kelly Loeffler first as the politician or as the WNBA owner? I only knew her as the WNBA owner. Really didn't truly come on my radar until Mm -hmm. 2020 um, because I feel like she was a little under the radar. Like she was an owner, but the Atlanta dream just as a franchise has really been up and down. So not a lot of people were, were talking about the ownership of the Atlanta dream for majority of their time here. So yeah, did not know her as the politician. Right. (laughs) I I didn't either for the record. So what was your first impression of her? When did you learn about her as the WNBA owner? My first impression of her, you know, truly really getting to know her was a horrible first impression because it was when she sent the letter to Kathy Ingebert Mm. talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and how Mm. she wanted to um, really erase politics in the WNBA and in sports, which I don't think is possible. You cannot separate the two. So that was kind of my first impression of her. But when I think back, she was a part of, you know, the Atlanta Dream ownership and wanted to be the first female ownership group, especially in Atlanta sports. So it was very much rah, rah, women pride, and we're doing this (laughs) for the WNBA. So that was kind of where her roots started. I found that so shocking when I was doing my research was that how much the early press, if you dig back 2011 when she buys a team, so much of it is so positive and like, Mm-hmm. Oh, here's this woman coming along. Like, uh, like this is a huge win for feminism. Like, that was shocking to me. I had like no idea that she maybe leaned a little bit like almost liberal. Dare I say? Uh, mm. And and, and wow. people, you know, yeah, she was totally different. It seemed. Had she been vocally um, extremely right wing prior to any of this coming out? Not that I could find. No, it it seemed like, um, you know, it was very much all about the Atlanta dream. And, and, you know, I went back and I watched her introductory press conference when she first came on board with the other women in the ownership group. And she was very much like, I love basketball. I love sports. And I played basketball, which I couldn't find any stats on, by the way. I tried to (laughs) dig Mm, to see what type of player she was. No picture, team Mm, pictures or anything? There's one action shot. Could it be someone else with blonde hair? Yes, (laughs) it could be. There's no last name on the jersey. So a little... Suspect. Okay. Okay. I can't find any stats. But no highlight reel. No highlight reel or anything like that. No highlights. But according to her, she did play varsity <laughs> basketball, and that was kind of the reasoning behind wanting to get involved in the WNBA. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> well, let me just say, reading a number of the profiles and interviews from when she became full owner in 2011, they're all pretty positive, all pretty <laughs> exciting. A huge win for women. Is all that true at the time? It definitely seems like that was the case. And when she first came on board, I think we have to kind of back up because when she first got into the ownership, it was a very great time to jump on the dream bandwagon because they were winning. But before Mm. that, you know, the franchise 
first started in the WNBA 2007, 2008. And Atlanta real estate mogul fronted the money, put it up, mm-hmm. put things going. But that first season, they go four and 30. Oof. So he's like... I'm out of here. I'm bailing on this. (laughs) And he tries to jump ship. So then Kathy Betty comes in as the new owner. She was already heavily involved in Georgia Tech basketball for the men's and women's side. So it made sense for her Mm -hmm. to kind of take over for the dream. Things immediately start to change. They go to the playoffs. Um, They draft Angel McCautry, who is really one of their best franchise players in the time at the dream in 2010 they'd win the eastern conference championship they make it to the finals so then it's like okay now this is this is looking more appealing uh to be a part of this franchise so then that's when kelly leffler comes into the in the mix because they're looking like they're winning they look like they're going somewhere and then they can sit on top of the podium and say hey look now we are an all women you know owned franchise group in atlanta sports and yes go women (laughs) (laughs) and Um, that turned very quickly so still you know before this summer of 2020 I'm curious if you read anything about her ownership style. Like, it, mm. I, it seemed like she was pretty hands-on and was, like, rearranging her travel schedule so she could go to mm-hmm. games and, like, talking to the head coach during halftime, which oh, wow. I don't know if that would be annoying or if that's good. It I don't know. Be. Yes, yeah. it would that be. Would, that would but be I don't know if you read, it, read any other stories. <laughs> okay, thank you for confirming that. Uh, have you read any <laughs> other stories about uh, what she was like as an owner before things kind of went south? You know, I saw pictures of her front row, you know, cheering Mm -hmm. on the dream and being at the games and being very much, you know, the face of an ownership group that is women and that we're for women. So it was still very much that you have former players coming out and saying that that's why these events in 2020 were so shocking was because she did not seem to be that way the time she was a part of the ownership group beforehand. It was very right. much like wanting to see women win and wanting to be a part of this all women league and lifting them up. Angel McCautry was one of the people that, that said that she said, mm-hmm. yeah, she always seemed like she had my back. And now it seemed like it was completely turned early on. She was very much at the games cheering all about it. So that leads us into Loeffler more in the national spotlight mm-hmm. uh, and the ramifications that that has for the WNBA team. First, can you set the stage a little bit for us on what the WNBA was like in the summer of 2020? That was the wobble year. Yeah. So 2020, the WNBA was really one of the first pro sports leagues to come back during the pandemic. You know, they had a virtual draft, which, uh, mm. you know, the NFL and the NBA kind of took from them, you know, God. starting that. They were able to do that successfully. And in 2019, it was a lot of, of viewership spikes, a lot of jumps that the mm-hmm. league was taking. And so 2020 was expected to capitalize on that and, and to keep going forward. But I think the pandemic was a really tough spot because the league couldn't afford to just not do a season. Um, right. And they couldn't they were already going to have a shortened season. It was an Olympic year for the Tokyo Summer Olympics. So it was already going to be shortened if you shortened it even more or if you just right. decided not to do it. It's not as successful yet. We right. still need all of those eyes on those games. And I also feel like 
the WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, recognized the situation that a lot of people were quarantined at home Mm -hmm. and that this could be a chance where if you weren't a WNBA fan before or if you hadn't watched games, you have no other choice because there's no other sports on TV. So, like, watch the WNBA. And Mm -hmm. I think that was greatly executed to send the players down to the IMG Academy and to make sure that they were some of the first sports on TV. But I will say internally in the league, that was a lot of discourse. You know, a Mm. lot of players didn't know if they wanted to go to the Wubble for health and safety protocols with COVID-19, but also because they wanted to stay in their communities and help Mm -hmm. the social justice movement and make sure, are they making a big enough impact? Um, I remember During the Wubble, during that season, they had a a league-wide meeting with the players saying, you know, police brutality is still very much real. It's happening. We are going to protest games. We're not going to play. And then Mm. other players came back and said, well, that's why I'm here. I'm here to make money for my family and to be able to make an income. I don't want to sit out a game because I wouldn't have come to begin with, you know, And, and it's... So much that goes into that because of players not making a lot of money to begin with. And then in 2020, their overseas commitments were cut short because of the Mm -hmm. pandemic. That was really hard during that time. What were your initial reaction to Kelly Loeffler's comments on Black Lives Matter? What were the initial reactions around the league? I would say initial reaction um, from around the league was just furious um, especially mm. because they are in the wobble. They're doing, trying to do their job. They are playing basketball. And then you have someone like the calls coming from within the house. Like, right. <laughs> why are you turning on us? And you are mm-hmm. a part right. of this league, right. right? especially when the WNBA for so long, we just have to fight for our yeah. existence to even be, you know, to matter and to be <laughs> in conversations with NBA yeah. leagues and men pro leagues. So then to have somebody mm. who is an owner who has been there for a long time, who believes in the WNBA to kind of turn around and turn on them. It was a lot of betrayal. It was a lot of players who, you know, play for the dream to say, wait, hold up. I've I've been in your house. You have hosted me. Mm. You have treated me like you're equal. And then all of a sudden now it's not that. Um, I would also say my initial reaction was it immediately felt like you're saying black lives don't matter. Like that's what it came to me. And yeah. I think it's so ironic and funny that it was the Atlanta dream because Mm -hmm. the name dream came from Martin Luther King's (laughs) I have a dream speech. Not just any dream. Very specific dream. Very specific dream (laughs) that we're talking about here that you are going against. um, And this is the team name. This is the team name that you own. And that is what it's rooted in. So to kind of say, you know, black lives don't matter and don't put politics in sports. It's just going completely against what the dream name stands for in your organization. Yeah. I got the sense that Loeffler kind of were piecing this together, this timeline. Like she used to be kind of like she wasn't super political. Then she like gets political. And to me, it kind of just seemed like her, like a lot of politicians, she was like, you know, comparatively, comparatively pretty moderate. Then Trump comes along and she needs to get reelected. And she sees the Mm. fastest path to do that is to just 
jump on the Trump train. And that seems to change like all of her politics. And now she's just completely like proud to be right wing. So I guess my question for you is, were the Atlanta dream just kind of like a victim of circumstance there? They're just like the perfect foil for her to kind of villainize them and use them to, you know, rally her troops against. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. Um, I would say, you know, going back to when she was appointed to the Senate seat, when she was kind of taking over and, you know, this whole thing was her trying to get reelected, but she was in that seat. Governor Kemp of Atlanta, you know, he said, I'm excited to appoint Georgia's first female senator in nearly 100 years. But more importantly, I'm excited to appoint a lifelong Republican who sh- shares our conservative views. Oh, wow. It's very much like, OK, we need a woman. Who's a woman? Yeah. <laughs> can we grab, can we grab woman. a woman to talk? She had yeah. no political experience. No, like she yeah. was just really thrown into this. Yeah. And I think. She became kind of this poster child for this movement, for someone to be very pro-life. We have a woman and this is going to really look good for us. And because they're going for Trump, who's had no political experience, they're like, nobody has to have political experience. Never been in a, a women's locker room, full disclosure. <laughs> That's uh, good been to in, hear. We been finally confirmed lot, it. <laughs> been in a lot of men's locker rooms. Um, I cannot imagine once the team... If you if someone walked in and read those comments that she said to a team in an NBA locker room, there'd be a lot of, oh, hell no. Yeah. So um, did it. Did you expect to see the team mobilize like it did against her? Because they made those T-shirts really fast, (laughs) really fast. (laughs) By the way, we're talking about those vote Warnock shirts here. And for the record, they did make them very fast. The Dreams 2020 season started on July 26th, and the players were wearing the shirts the very next week. That Etsy shop was firing away. Ready, <laughs> ready. So I wonder if somebody just had a, a cricket at, at home or they brought it to the Wubble or something. Because yeah. it was, I mean, yeah. the marketing was there. Yes. Um, I'm not surprised <laughs> because this is what this league has been built on. Since 1997, it was a fight for equal pay. It was a fight for the LGBTQ plus inclusion to be in part of the WNBA, reproductive rights, racial injustice. Like there's so many things that the WNBA has been at the forefront of and just not afraid to speak their minds. And so I I wasn't surprised that specifically T-shirts either, because in 2016, Mm. the Minnesota Lynx wore the change starts with us, justice and accountability warm up T-shirts during that time. And they're kneeling before the national anthem or uh, the sparks didn't even come out during the national anthem. This is going back to 2017. This is 2016. So. We, you know, we're not new to this. We're true to this. That is the WNBA. And so when it came to something like, okay, you're personally attacking us and our message and the league that we stand for and the platform that we have, because like I said, a lot of players, you know, when they were deciding if they're going to come to the Wubble or not, a lot of players said, okay, well, I can play, I can do my job and use this as a platform to make sure I'm stirring change and I am getting the message across and being a voice for so many who are voiceless. We are on television, we're on ESPN, so I can really make change. So that was a part of it. And now mm-hmm. 
you have Kelly Loeffler saying something that personally attacks you, yeah, we're mobilizing quick. Like the WNBPA does not mess around. Mm -hmm. And so it, it wasn't surprising. I'm just so happy that it went the best case scenario for yeah. this situation. Has uh, the political aspect of the WNBA caused problems with other owners? Hmm. I don't think so. And what I would say about that and just about owners in general of the WNBA is, especially at the beginning, you know, I, I mentioned the Atlanta real estate mogul that's like, okay, yeah, I'll front the money. But it was very much this charity case. Like, okay, mm. we're going to, mm. we're going to get ownership of a WNBA team because it's a good tax write-off. It's somewhere right. that we can just, you know, go spend the weekend, but we're not going to really pay attention yep. or mm -hmm. put money into ownership. But now that is shifting. Like that is really changing. And that gets me so excited because you Same. have someone, you know, you, you see the aces and what they're doing and the money that Mark Davis is putting into that franchise. Just need and a TV deal. Let's just go. Need, well, just need a TV that's deal. That's it. Honestly, everything <laughs> it's else. Coming, it's coming. It's coming. Speaking of like the future, now we have Kelly Loeffler was unseated from the Senate as well as her position as owner of the team. And now we have a familiar face, Renee Montgomery, coming in as a dream owner. Uh, what was your reaction to that? Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> I was so happy. And, you know, just as a fan of Renee, as a player, I was like, oh, man, she retired. Like, we're not going to be able to see her on the court anymore. But that girl is at every single Atlanta Dream game, front and center. She is yeah. she loves this league. Yeah. She loves the players that are in it. Why? Like, I couldn't imagine a more perfect person to take over the Atlanta Dream and be a part of that ownership group. And you can just see, like, it's working. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. the fact that she is there in that seat, the Atlanta Dream made the playoffs for the first time since 2018, the first winning record since 2018. They moved to the Gateway Center Arena at College Park, which is this perfect, intimate venue that they are able to fill up and have so much support off of one of the best places to play in the league. They grabbed a young lady out of the University of Kentucky. Yeah, Ryan mm -hmm. Howard. Ryan Hello. Howard. <laughs> She's so good in the future of this franchise, yeah. easily. All-star, rookie of the year. Yeah. Like, it's looking so up for the dream. And yes. I know that this whole instance is just going to be a footnote in what the Atlanta dream is going to go on to do. Like, this is completely turning around. And I think Renee and the ownership group are wanting to turn it around and, and yeah. have that desire to really care about these players and the black women that mm. make up uh, the Atlanta dream, that make up the crowd in the Atlanta dream, that make up the leadership in the Atlanta dream ownership. You know, there is a lot of community that goes on. And I've just heard that I haven't gone to a game yet, but it's on my bucket list. Okay. I've just heard that it is rocking in there every yeah. single game. Fantastic. So I'm excited about the future of that franchise. Jordan, what do you have to plug? Where can people find you? 
Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at HeyJordanR or on Instagram at Jordan Liggins. Make sure to listen to the Queens of the Court podcast with me and Cheryl Swoops. We are um, talking regular season and playoffs right now. And yeah, follow along. I'm all over the place, but I'm going to be shouting from the rooftops that the WNBA is the best league ever. So if you want to hear that more, follow me. You're you're an amazing ambassador for the league. I'm just, I couldn't be more impressed. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this episode on, because this was a big, big deal. Not only WNBA history, but like history, history. So thank you for doing that. Team game. Thank you. We'll be right back after this. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors, that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod. Or text Wondery Pod to 500 500. All right, so that was our interview with Jordan Liggins Robinson. Now that we're primed on Loeffler, it's time to talk to the current owner. We just talked about the past owner. Now it's to get into the current owner with the owner herself, Renee Montgomery. Fantastic. I am a huge fan of Renee's. I've, I've been watching her play ball for, let's say, a couple decades now. Yes, I remember her from a, from a college, young college lady. She had quite a dominant uh, college career, I would say. Yes, yes, she did. yes, she did. All right, let's get into this interview with Renee. Renee Montgomery is a WNBA All-Star, two-time WNBA champ, NCAA national champion, and the current owner of of the WNBA's Atlanta Dream. Renee, how are you? What's up with it, Rex? What's up with it? <laughs> so happy to have you here. We've been missing each other for a while, so I'm I'm really glad we finally got to sit down and do this. Definitely, definitely. I, I want to start with this. Before you were an owner of the Atlanta Dream, you played for the Atlanta Dream. And the, the previous owner was someone, then-Senator Kelly Loeffler. We want to talk about her a bit to start. When did Loeffler first get on your radar? 
Um, what do you mean? When she was our team owner, I would say, you know, just <laughs> meeting, you always meet people in the organization. So her being a team owner that I would say just, that was when she became on my radar, when, you know, we would have, we would meet up with, you know, like you see now the same way I'm linking up with players now, that's how they were there. They were there at a lot of games. So that was the beginning of being on my radar. Before her like political career started, what was she like as an owner? I mean, did you interact with her a lot or was it? No, like, I wouldn't did you... say a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say we had a lot of interactions, but I would say my interactions were good. We, wouldn't, we didn't have bad interactions ever. The WNBA announced that the 2020 season would be dedicated to social justice. And you even took the year off uh, completely to focus on social justice. What went into that decision? Honestly, there was a lot that went into that decision. There were so many things going on just in the climate of the United States of America. But then I'm in Atlanta. And so that meant something as well, because Atlanta news was world news at that time. So I felt like I was right there in the thick of it. And then when you think about just going into a bubble, isolating and um, getting away from what's going on right now, you know, that kind of went into that decision. Because if anybody seen me play, you know, like I like to be all in. I like to know my scout, your scout, the other team yeah. scout. I like to know when I'm watching a game on TV, I'm like, oh, oh, wow, they missed that switch. You know, every time they're going to do that, like <laughs> I'm that type where I'm going to know everything going on with every team. And so how would I be able to do that if I was worried about what's going on at home base? Had you ever been an activist of any kind before? Had you always been socially inclined, uh, uh, curious, I guess? I mean, I feel like my history is that in the sense of my parents going, went to an HBCU, but more particularly my snook. Uh, I would definitely say that anybody that knows my my snook would not be shocked at what happened with me in 2020. People would probably be like, you know, it just makes sense. Um, but in a sense of in my own personal life, I would say not really. You know, I tried to do things a certain way on the court and handle myself a certain way as a captain of the team. I've been the captain on a lot of the basketball teams that I've been on. So I would say I carried myself a certain way, but to opt out and to go against the grain, that's never really been something I've done. You're taking the season off 2020. Kelly Loeffler, then owner, uh, writes this letter denouncing Black Lives Matter. Are you thinking, okay, I'm in the perfect position to address this because I took the season off? Do you have a plan of action? Like, what's your initial reaction to that? Yeah, no, none of those things in a sense of my I was really trying to figure out, all right, what are we going to do here? Like if I am going to take a season. Were y'all mad? Sorry. Were y'all mad? It was like more so. I was hurt. You know, how you really be like, wait, what? Like, it's like, I, I think that was like a double re- take. Yeah, yeah, the real reaction was like, oh, okay, wait, what? But I think that the real thing was that the players, you know, everybody had something that the, they were focused on, you know, like whether it was the players that actually were going to play this season. Well, there's a season that we have to focus on, you know, like now that right, we've made yeah. the commitment to be in the wobble and play this season, then we're going to focus on that. And then when it came to me, there was things that I was trying to focus on. We were throwing a Juneteenth pop-up party with my foundation, and honestly, that's That's when, you know, RMF really started to take off. By the way, RMF is Renee's foundation, aptly titled the Renee Montgomery Foundation. You know, we started collaborating with More Than a Vote. We did Remember the 3rd of November campaign. So it was more so everybody was locked in on what we was about to do. And that's kind of what we all still kind of just focused on and and let that be the center of attention. We we read that you tried to get in contact with Kelly Loeffler and even wrote your own letter back, but she never responded. Do you think she was 
interested in the spectacle more than actually <laughs> discussing things? I think she just was not interested in discussing things. <laughs> I think that just in general, she probably was like, I said what I said. And so it was like, okay, cool. So I got a little something I want to say as well. Um, but it was Good. it was more Good. so in a sense of, too, a lot of people might have thought I just reached out with a letter, but um, you're alluding to the fact that, yeah, I just reached out via text and was like, hey, if you want to chat, you know, like, I'm here to talk about it. But, oh, uh, like, yeah. you know, it's like pretty much that's kind of what I've always said. You know, I reached out and no response is a response. So that's no response at all. Green bubble, blue bubble. Oh, I don't even remember. Bubble. <laughs> I'm trying to tell y'all like this is this is more interesting to y'all than it was to us. And kind yeah, of like, yeah. I don't even well, remember yeah. what color bubble just to even put it in perspective. <laughs> no. But like, just that's no crazy. response, really? No response. Yeah. And like, I don't want to uh, and I have to preface this with people that text me are probably thinking like, yeah, I don't respond either. Because yeah. I know that there's a lot of no responses in my inbox right now. Mine so too. so Mine I too. want people to know that it do, I don't charge it to my head, not my heart. I'm just saying because we're talking about this no response. I know somebody might be listening to this right now like, oh, she going to try to say something about a no response. Yes. Uh, we think the worst thing she did was not respond to the text message. So, yeah, well, that's actually the crux of this. <laughs> so let's get into, I guess, maybe then hopefully what you do remember more is kind of working with Warnock, the players coming together. How did this all come to start? Did you, What were these initial meetings like with Warnock? What was he like to meet with? Whose idea were the T-shirts? Yeah, so it's not like an overnight thing where it's like, oh, one plus one plus one plus one. It's like this yeah. was just developing. I mean, I remember when Elizabeth Williams hit me. Okay, Nicole jumping in here real quick because Elizabeth Williams is one of the main characters here. She's a forward that played for the Atlanta Dream between 2016 and 2021. And after Loeffler started making headlines with her Black Lives Matter comments, Elizabeth led her team in denouncing Loeffler and then also helped pivot the entire league's focus toward endorsing Warnock. And they were currently in the wobble and it was like, hey, so what's the plan of action type of situation? And this is, like I talked about before, it even became to Warnock there was already a, hey, what are we going to do type of situation, which is why everybody was pretty locked in on this was what we were going to do. Now, the Warnock is crazy because uh, whenever the Super Bowl was in Atlanta, what year was that? And I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry, people, because that was a but whenever the Super Bowl <laughs> was in Atlanta um, recently, I had actually spoken at 2019. Oh, boom. In 2019, I had spoken at Reverend Warnock's church and just on a different panel with the NFL. So you knew him before. You knew him a little bit before. That's what I was going to say. So it wasn't a meet then. It was a, I already knew him since 2019. So that's what I was getting to when I had an appearance that I was on a speaking engagement at the church and just connected then. Um, And now everybody knows fast forward. I spoke at Ebenezer for the MLK thing and different things of that nature. So just like like Atlanta's connected already is kind of the, the thought process behind that. I'm at home in Kentucky during the pandemic, and uh, I get a a package in the mail, and it's a Warnock T-shirt from <laughs> you guys, from you guys. Whose idea were the T-shirts? Yeah, so the T-shirts, okay, so the T-shirts, I'm not positive exactly. I know that they had reached out to me like, hey, I'm going to be circulating the T-shirts and different things of that nature, and I'm like, like, let's get it. You know what I mean? Like, perfect, <laughs> let's amazing. get it. Um, just specifically even because, like, at this point in time, a lot of people wanted to be involved and wanted to be engaged. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me, 
I was boots on the ground, so it was easy for me to be engaged. You know, like I'm doing yeah. sit downs with Stacey Abrams. I'm, mm. you know, like I'm moving and shaking and moving because my sole focus is this. Well, when you're yeah. inside the wobble, you still want to have an impact, but you still got to go to practice. You still have to do different things. So I love the idea of walk-in shirts that make the loudest statement that you can make yeah. and you still locked in on the game. You can still have yeah. your playlist in. You can still yeah. be listening to whatever song you rocking with. You have not deterred True. from your game routine yet you've made a loud statement. So that's what I love the most about it. That's a vantage point that most owners don't have. That That's an insight <laughs> that most owners don't have. So I, I think that's pretty valuable. Yeah, I mean, because when you think about as an athlete, you you want to be the best athlete you can be on the court at all times. Like, Rex, you know that. Like, you want to mm-hmm. stay on your routine. Like, I'm one of them people, like, where they say you can set your clock by me. Like, Same. I have yeah. a very yeah. specific <laughs> routine. So if I want to be down with the crew and down with everybody and be like, yeah, I want to make a statement. I want to be involved in the movement. But I also want to be the player that I can be. I Like, I was trying to think, well, how can you do that? And so to see the shirts and how yeah. big of a statement they made while players can still be engaged in their routine, lost superstitions. Their superstitions. Uh, yeah, you didn't yeah. take anything away from players <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. but you also right. gave them a voice as well. So, yeah, I just thought right. that it was just spot on and great. And as you can see, like, I mean, all leagues and different teams yep. now, statement pieces are made at all times on helmets, shirts, yep. end zones. Absolutely. So a great segue here into now you are the current owner of the Atlanta Dream. When did that first idea come into your mind? I think I read somewhere that LeBron James had something to do with it. Like, yeah, how did that how did that start? Well, the first time it came into my mind is when my wife, Serena, was like, hey, maybe you should buy it. And I like like I know people have probably heard me say this, but it was a joke. It was a joke to me, okay? When my wife told me that, I'm like, so maybe she knows something. You know how you find out things about your wife? I'm like, is she rich and I didn't know about it and I'm married into some money? Honey, let me find out. Like, so I had That's to... That's the best thing to find out. <laughs> let me find out, okay? But no, it was... Um, she was just, you know, it's so great to be around people that think outside the box and maybe aren't from the same world that you're from because she's an entertainment industry. So she understands yeah. the concept of owning your master's musically where you see now mm, where Taylor Swift right. has re-recorded all of her albums so that she can yes. own her stuff. We see people like Russ and Chance the Rapper. So in her mind, she was thinking, hey, I see this progression happen all the time. Why don't you go ahead wow. and just own the team? Because you know, she if, to yeah. her, it was like a very like, yeah, this is what happens. And I'm like, girl, what? Like, this does not happen <laughs> in sports. Like, but then she started, you know, you just plant one plant little seed, seed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then fast forward to you start seeing the tweets come out about like, you know, players just not happy about it. And then you start seeing a real possibility that, OK, well, maybe there can be a transition in the ownership space. And so now she's already planted that seed. And uh-huh. so somebody like me, that's the worst thing you can do. OK, because I'm, <laughs> yeah, goal, I'm goal oriented. A competitor. Yes, a competitor. I'm competitive yes. and I'm goal oriented. And so I'm like. Hmm, well, you know, like there's venture capital, there's different ways. Like money is not a thing if there is an opportunity there. And so when did you know that, though? When did you learn that? Because I didn't learn that till I was way older. 
I think I, I learned that pretty young. Uh, I think okay. that, you know, I learned that if you have talent, then you can have money. Um, okay. And so I, whether it be basketball or whether it be a learned skill or a learned trait, my sister's a doc. My parents are overachievers. My mom was a college professor for 30 plus years. My dad's an engineer. My sister's a doctor. My other sister's a manager. So we kind of learned very young at our house that, Terrific. yeah, that you have to set high goals, but they're very achievable if you just set them. So I think I learned that young. So I'm like, all right, the goal is to get here. How do we go about it? <laughs> and it yeah, looked like, yeah, and, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I'm looking like way up, like, all right, so the goal is to get up there. How are we going to do that? And so that's that's kind of how the yeah, The goal is. is Atlanta Dream, Renee's version. <laughs> and how are we going to get there? Exactly. So, so let me ask this, though. Let's say go back five years to 2018. No pandemic, none of the strife. What would you have done in your retirement had none of that happened? Oh, would man. You have, oh, well, you, can you imagine? Yeah, well, I, mean, I would be an what? analyst. I would be doing okay. half of what I do now. So <laughs> basically the half, because I got 50, 11 jobs. So the okay. half, I would be doing <laughs> I would be doing half of what I do now. Like, as people know, I cover the NBA. I cover NCAA. I was at the Final Four last year. Um, and so I would definitely be doing that because the knowledge that I have of the game, I feel like I've learned from, I've had a master class of coaches. Like, I've learned from the best yes. of the best of the best of the best. So I don't take that for granted. I feel like I'm yeah. an expert level student of the game because I really try to learn at every turn. And so I would be talking about sports. I'll be talking about, you know, we have WNBA weekly every week that comes out right now on Turner. I'll be talking NBA. You know, I will be talking sports like this is this is what yeah. I do. So I Love just it. necessarily wouldn't be, you know, this is this is called own. I just necessarily wouldn't be an owner, um, but I'll probably <laughs> still be at the games. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Y'all probably would still yeah. see me at the games. I probably would still have have season tickets. Yep. Um, I think that 80 percent of my life would still be the same. You talked a little bit about your your specific routine as a player and, you know, athletes all have any routine. What's that routine look like as an owner? What are you what do you do in day to day that other owners can't do because you're the first former player. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, today is a game day, so I wouldn't be talking to y'all as an athlete. <laughs> so today yeah. is right. a game day no for, for me. So, um, like, I'm going to just walk you through today because today was yeah. a wild day. So I'm going to just give you a very specific day in my life of I woke up this morning. Oh, I'm just going to go full on. So Do my it. wife, Serena, is amazing. Every morning she makes me, like, the best tea, froth and everything. Like, looks like it's from the oh store. She's not wow. real. She's making you coffee, every giving you morning. ideas for team wow. owner. Oh, my God. Every wow. morning. Well, she's my business partner in every aspect of life. But it's like, I do say that because I think consistency and she gets that. So literally, like, you know how it's like she doesn't have a bad morning. It's like, even if she probably mad at me some mornings, we don't go to sleep mad. But anyway, so she makes me tea. <laughs> and then, She's a dream. <laughs> yeah. So she, she makes me tea. We sit, chill, have tea, watch something, usually charmed in the morning because that's one of her favorite shows. And then I talk to my snook. I oh told you I'm going full in. So we usually we spend like similar the, mornings. the first 30 <laughs> <laughs> the first 30 minutes of my morning, I like to just chill, basically. Then, um, like, I hop on, I call my snook, because once I go into the meeting part of my day, 
there's no chance. So my snook is my mom. And this morning I had a call about it's a really dope call because so I don't know if you guys know, but there's like the private sectors that go onto the planes where you don't actually pull into the airport. It's called PSATL where they drive you straight up to the to the plane. To the plane. Yeah. So yeah. they somebody just reached out to me today. They want me to do that in Atlanta. They're opening one in Atlanta. Come so I'm on. Like, Hell yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I was Let's like, go. oh, this is lit. You mean to tell me I get to skip TSA, everything? They're like, yeah, we'll give you a private suite um, when Come you go on. to the airport. So I'm like, well, that's amazing. Like, first of all, we, we want that for the squad, too. So I yes. just thought about that. Yeah. Um, but then I did that um, eight, hopped on here with you guys. Afterwards, I'm filming my podcast, Montgomery and Company. Um, then I have a board meeting with my foundation. Then me and my wifey are going to turn up in the house and get dressed because we have like this little thing where we dance to get ready, head to the game, hopefully get a dub. And that is so far from my normal routine of an athlete, because usually as an athlete, everything is predicated around the game. But now as a, a business person, I work all the way up until it's time to get ready for the game. So that was a lot. It's perfect. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's the hardest part about being an owner that people might not think about? Oh, relationships. To me, that's the hardest part because I played in the league for 11 years. Um, people that watch our games know that most games, at least three to four players come hug me either during the game, before the game, yeah. or after the game because I've either played with them, played against them. They're in my same class. We came in together. Um, so I think that that would be the hardest part because sports is a business. And so you have to be professional at all times, but also those are my homies too. Like I went, you gotta come, I went to you school with some of them. And you got to yeah. trade them yeah, sometimes. It's a business. Yeah. And so you have to train yeah, them. But hard. the thing that I always try to do is let people know, like there's the business of basketball and then there's us. And so even now, you know, like we just played uh, Chicago and I'm like, what up Courtney? You know, like just making sure <laughs> that people know everything is everything. Like no matter, yeah. if you get traded yeah. like I've been traded before you know like I know that yeah. it's not a good feeling but it's all love in a sense of this is a you know sports is a business well I think that's like the incredible thing about you being a former player is that you can do that where other owners don't have that kind of relationship like yeah. that's the specific trait that you're bringing that's such a positive I Agreed. think it's incredible yeah yeah the WNBA I think read somewhere that the the TV audiences were up like 67% this season and 27% uptick in attendance. I'm curious what your POV as an owner, like where do you think the league could make improvements and where are you like hoping to make improvements and what improvements yeah. can you even make as an owner? Man, you know? I'm with everybody else and I'm talking about not even just WNBA, but if you look at college sports, man, those TV deals... It's the yeah. media rights deals. Like even when you look at the NBA contracts, there's no secret to what makes salary and money jump. It's not like this. What's the mystery behind the it's like <laughs> it's not ticket sales. Like I know the fans may I'm just fans. may. It's not ticket sales. It's not jersey sales. So if y'all are like, oh, there's nobody in the stands. It's like. Baby, that is not what is, <laughs> that is not what is paying these max super max two hundred milli plus contracts. It's not your ticket. It's okay. Yep. Like we just saw that. I believe I forget what arena it was made about eight hundred million from ticket sales throughout the year, and that was a good year. So it's not the ticket sales that are paying for all of these people's salaries. We know that it's the media rights, it's the TV deals. So when I think about what can be done for WNBA and what I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to one of them big, fat, Big Mac go. Whopper, yep. Juicy <laughs> Witchies, and extra, you know, coming. all of it's that. Coming. That's 
that's it's coming. That's what I'm looking forward to because that's when you'll start to see a shift in everything when you start to get those large contracts. So it's it's really that simple to me. It's whenever we get one of those TV deals that just shift the game. Agreed. Agreed. Um, real quick, you guys, the dream recently drafted my Kentucky homegirl, Ryan Howard. Okay. What are you, what are your ex- expectations for her and the team moving forward? Oh, I love Ryan. I always say, hey, Ryan, boo-boo, because it's like so <laughs> it's, it's special because as, you know, as an ownership group, like she's our first number one draft pick. She's like that player for us that it's like she's who we're starting our new franchise rebrand rebuild like you know yeah, she's who yeah. we're starting it with and I'm so hyped because who better what I've wanted to start it with in a sense of this player like I just love first of all she's hungry and the skill set for me it's you know if it don't apply let it fly you a shooter Rex you already <laughs> know. know it's FGAs, like baby. come FGAs. on let's go so to be able to get a I also shoot- know what you're talking oh sorry about. okay sorry you know you know too Field goal attempts listen okay yeah oh yeah hell yeah Shoot. yeah absolutely when you have the opportunity like Every year is not created equal. Every draft is not the same. So you could have a number one draft pick, and it's not the same. We had the number one draft pick on a year when Ryan Howard was coming out. So for me, that's how I feel like the stars align for us to start with somebody like her, her character. But, again, it's the three for me. So I'm just excited to get somebody in there where I could just go crazy, like, and let it fly. (laughs) It doesn't hurt for the fans. People want to see that. It's the style of basketball that everybody's gearing towards, positionless. He's a big guard, can defend. Um, Two-time All-Star. Only her second year in the league. Yeah, I'm happy. Insane. I'm happy. Michael Jordan was briefly a minority owner for the Wizards and came out of retirement to play for them. Uh, you have any plans of doing something similar? <laughs> I know you lying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, know. listen. Jordan, did it. <laughs> Jordan is a different breed. Uh, he got it. I'm enjoying. You know, I'm enjoying pulling up to practice and clapping when people are doing on the sprints, I don't want to reverse <laughs> and go back to joining because you're not jealous yeah, of that. Yeah, because y'all Same. think about the end the game. Ugh. Do I miss making threes in the game? Like, there's that part of it. Do I miss after practice my body hurting? Do I miss having to get in the cold tub every day because that's what I did? Do I miss the the practices, the travel of that something? No, you don't miss all the stuff that enabled you to be <laughs> on the floor in that moment to take that exactly. shot. Exactly, and that's right? when all you the know. trust with your coaches, all of it. You, that's when you know. So, yeah. yes, of course, everybody might miss the game winner when the buzzer is <laughs> going down. But the, when you know that you don't want to go back, it's when you don't want to go back to the grind. And that's right. that's so it's like I'm in a different grind right now. And I like this grind that I'm in. Like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what was harder, going 39-0 at UConn or going 1-0 in political elections? Oh <laughs> These are our fun questions. I love it because I was really listening like, ooh, I'm trying to figure out what's going to be harder than going because I'm going to tell you right now, that that senior year is like, I only got one year left in college, so that was brutal. Like, it's, 39 and all. Yeah, yeah by the way, that's brutal. insane. Like, that's insane. That was like, brutal, uh, though. That it's was, just crazy. It's like... 
there was no happiness. It was only relief. It was like, that's how <laughs> when, you, when you have one year to do what you thought you were going to do every year, like what Stewie and them actually did in real life, which is unheard of who wins four years in a row. Like right. that's, yeah, that's yeah. what we all think is going to happen yeah, when we go to college yeah. and they actually did it. So then I only had one year to achieve it. Yeah, I was stressed out. I'm going to tell you right now. So that was hard, baby. There was nothing much harder than that. I Incredible. guess. I guess. How does it feel having the coolest name, uh, the Atla- the Atlanta Dream? Thank uh, you. And, and and by the way, Serena sounds like an Atlanta Dream. <laughs> Shout out to my baby. Listen, that's why you guys yeah, get hey, your partner. Hey, you I'm, you lo- you lobbed it, and I dunked it. I appreciate you. Shout out to my baby because you really do have to get somebody that helps elevate you. Because I would have still right. been in a certain level of thinking had I not heard her, but. Um, the city of Atlanta voted on our name. I think that's what's so unique about our name that seven people went to the city and had options and the city chose our name. So not only is it wow. by what you said, the dopest name, yeah. but I like that the city put that name on our back. So I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. So, yeah, I, I, I think that in the most unbiased way. I'm trying to find a team that could outdo the dream. I'm thinking like in sponsorship names, like every right. collab known to yeah. man. Yeah. People yeah. already use dream in their in their ad yeah. spaces, yep. marketing. Yeah, like Casper Mattress like, is a shoe in one. Yeah. 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 It's a dream. So why don't they have a dream <laughs> player? So the reason I'm saying that is shouts to all these brands that already are using a name alignment. We got players over here, superstars that you could easily align with. So I'm sorry. I can't help it. I have to do that because I just think that. Good. There's a lot of folks out here that we do. We're very marketable WNBA hey, players yeah. in general, even in the name, image, and likeness space. I know it's sexy right now to get the hottest college player out, and I get it because I want them to get their bags too. But right, don't forget right. that there are WNBA superstars here ready for a bag as well. So I'm sorry, I'm I'm no done. Question. I'm done. Hey. No, hey, you gotta you gotta be an owner. Okay, <laughs> listen, I'm sorry. You, you got any plugs? Anything you need to plug? Oh no, man! Listen, just that we're gonna have you coming up on Montgomery Let's and go. Co. I Let's wanted to go. talk to him about like listen, because I feel like me and you are kind of similar. In I think a lot of people will end up knowing me more for my off the court than what I did on yeah. the court, which okay. I know that you probably could feel a similar because like yeah, when we were bit. younger, we everything was for the sports. Was basketball. Like my yeah, whole was, upbringing was yes, the basketball was of it all to yep. now in our yep. adult life maybe do something bigger than what we even thought young. So that's kind of that's kind of so yeah, just got Rex the Rex Chapman coming up <laughs> on Montgomery and Co. soon. So that's all. Stay tapped in. Thanks, Renee. This yeah, has been a thanks blast. Thanks so much. Thank you guys for having me. It's time for the owned post-game wrap-up. Brought to you by the Tourism Board of South Carolina. Just kidding, we have no sponsor. Please sponsor us. All right, it is now time for the owned post-game show. Could you do a better job? Let's do both. Let's get into both of them. Okay, so first, could you do a better job than Kelly Loeffler, Rex? Yes. Wow, a firm yes from Rex. Rare, a rare, a emphatic rare. yes from Rex. And that's it, just yes. And what about Renee? Do you think you could do a better job than her? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, the yes was short-lived, but we got one. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I could not. I'm so proud of and happy for Nicole. Thank uh, you. I'm sorry. You, you too. I'm so proud and happy <laughs> for Renee. She has just killed yeah. it. I mean, to be as young as she is, fresh out of playing professional basketball, and to be an owner of that league, this is the stuff that the guys dream about. 
I mean, yeah. the the men's side dream about having ownership in the yeah. league. Every player would tell you, "Man, I wish I could own a part of a team." And she's so excited about it too. It's so yeah. it was would just you so be great though? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, straight from playing, yeah. and now you're actually running one of the teams in the league. Incredible, man! It's yeah. awesome. Um, Abu, let's go to you. Do you think you could do a better job? Same thing, Kelly, and then Renee. I think for a law firm, this is one of the easier yeses that we've done. Um, I think when your team kind of like rises up against you, that's probably a sign that you're a bad owner. So I'm going to say <laughs> yes for Law Um okay. And then for Renee, it's, it's kind of like what Rex always talks about. Rex always says, but do they know basketball? Mm. And talking to Renee, it's obvious that she both knows basketball and loves basketball. So I'm going to say no for Renee. And I'm very excited to see what she does with the dream. Very nice. Harry, a producer, what do you think? Yeah, so Lovler, yes, right? I could do a better job than her. The, first of all, open letter, that's corny. I would never write an open letter about anything, especially something as, as, uh, as serious I, as that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and with that, espousing a dumb, you know, opinion as, as what she had. But second of all, I do want to just briefly hammer home how much of a bag fumble this was by her. Mm-hmm. The year before the dream draft, Ryan Howard mm-hmm. and the league skyrockets in popularity. One of the biggest growth years in the history of the league was this year. She blew her shit up to be more likable by Donald Trump. I like, think she was pressured the- into it. If you've led your life to be sort of a moderate up to a certain right. point, you've bought the Atlanta dream and all that. How do you just flip-flop in a matter of six months from everything that you've been, everything you've done? It sure sounds to me like she was pressured into it, and man, did it backfire. Seriously. And Renee, no, I'm with you guys. I couldn't. Renee's enthusiasm for the game is palpable. You pretty much can't ask for a better situation than a owner who, like, played with some of the people that she's now working with. And she's I mean— how old do we think Renee is? She's in her thirties, correct? Uh, I mean, she's living her best life. She's there in Atlanta. She's finished playing. She's an owner. She's in a great relationship, man. I'm just happy for out of nowhere, 36 out of nowhere. The other day, I just got a message from her out of the blue. Hey Rex, just checking in on you, buddy. What a nice, yeah, that's lovely. Nicole, could you do a better job than Kelly Loeffler or Renee Montgomery? I'm pretty positive I could do a better job than Kelly Loeffler. I would say I would win the Senate in a landslide, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You win any student government, Nicole? Anything like that? I was a prom princess. Does that count? Wow. Yes, it actually does. Thanks, guys. It definitely does. It was a fair and free election, you would say? No, and you best believe I asked for a recount. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, no, I, I, I definitely think I could do a better job than Loeffler. And I will second, third, fourth. I could not do a better job than Renee. I think what she's doing is really exciting. And um, I'm frankly excited to see what she does in the WNBA. I would love to see the WNBA just become just a huge behemoth of a league. So Same. looking forward and, to that. And maybe she can run for Senate someday. When she and gets I, bored. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that full circle. Same. Um, Rex, my final question for okay. you. This episode takes place mostly in 2020 during the NBA, WNBA bubble. How do you think you would have fared in the bubble? 
Ooh, man. I don't think well. I don't think I would have fared very well mental health wise. Just yeah. seeing nothing but basketball and the inside of your hotel room in a supposed bubble for months on end. You don't even know when you're leaving. You want to leave, but you need to win and yeah. stay. So you're yeah. constantly torn. Your family's home. Your kids are home. You're not seeing them. I think I might have just had a breakdown in the bubble, to be quite a honest. Lot of, I feel like a lot of guys like got into like wine or got like hobbies, started vlogging. Do you think you would have picked up any hobbies? I'm sure yeah. I would have picked up some habits that weren't very good. <laughs> I, you know, right. just left to my own. <laughs> uh, it would have been a terrible experience in the bubble. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Owned early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and go tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Who produced this episode? Owned is a co-production of Smartless Media and Campside Media. The managing producer is Harry Krinsky, with additional producing by Lane Gerbig. Nicole Boyce is our co-host and writer-producer. Abu Kamara is our associate producer. Sound design, mix, and engineering by Alex Portfelix. Studio engineering by Ewan Leitremuen. Fact-checking by Gray Lanta. Josh Dean and Mark McAdam are our executive producers. Additional support by Emma Simonoff, Doug Slaywin, and Ashley Warren. The executive producers at Campside Media are Josh Dean, Vanessa Gregoriadis, Adam Hoff, and Matt Scher. At Smartless Media, the executive producers are Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, Richard Corson, and Bernie Kaminsky. The talent producer is Ann Harris. Maddie McCann is the associate producer. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.